Hello, it's episode six of Gig Pigs. I'm Michael Graham. I am Alex Keeley. And our guest this week is Ed Gamble. Now, oh, it's all business so far. And uh, Ed Gamble's been uh, pretty heavily trailed on uh, this podcast. He was in the trailer. I think we said, how are we going to go with Ed Gamble seeing Napalm Death? And I really saw saying that when we were recording our trails at home. I saw that as someone with very little acting or voice acting experience as like a little audition for like <laughs> how can I say imply that it is both exciting that we're going to napalm death with Ed Campbell whilst also emphasizing it as a sort of punchline that illustrates our commitment to diverse and probably not enjoyable musical experiences yes. <laughs> it was in your audio show reel where you were demonstrating that you could carry out the stage direction marked square brackets imagine yeah. square brackets <laughs> yeah exactly I suppose the test would be if the band wasn't called Napalm Death, but was just called I'm looking around the room. Andrew Mars, a history of modern bread. <laughs> no, I meet think... me in the bathrooms right yeah. there, Ivo. Yeah, no, you could I'm... that could have triggered any band. Yeah, that's so true. If we were going to see Meet Me in the Bathroom, although what we want to do is we want to watch Meet Me in the Bathroom, a show about many of the bands that inspired us to be music fans, which I'd love to do. If we could cram in the sort of we go to a live thing aspect, could we go to a screening of Meet Me in the Bathroom? That with feels a friend like it would to... count. I think it that would count. count. And those are the kind of chats we have, by the way. That would count. <laughs> a lot of time with that expense, sort of looking pained and saying that would count. Um, <laughs> But the point is, if the band wasn't called Napalm Death, but was called Meet Me in the Bathroom, would it be obvious enough from my acting alone that it was a joke? A bit of we, a wild we, death metal band. A wild death metal. And we don't need to indulge any further because actually <laughs> we had such a good time and we knew we were going to have a good time. Ed is fantastic company at a gig and on a podcast. And also we want this podcast to be about us taking people to things and them taking us to things. And this is in Camp B. This is Camp B. We've also spent a fair amount of time in Camp C going, this is the only gig that's happening near our homes <laughs> in the time when we're all available. <laughs> the old, shall we go to see Frank Turner in Bath situation? <laughs> and, and may I when say, you start, that's not you... meant to be a punchline. Sure, we're, we're, sure. We're Frank Turner. When you start expanding Song Kick to include cities that are within a two-hour commute from your city, <laughs> because you know that both you and Ivo don't have a gig on a Tuesday night. I'm surely the only person with their song on kick set to a radius that includes Bath and Brussels. All the bees. So it was really fun to go to this with him and to talk about it. It's not a huge amount more to say at this juncture. Well, I mean, apart from obviously just more more formally introducing our guest. I mean, oh, yes, won't, there's loads you know, more to say. You, <laughs> exactly the stuff that we regret after almost every record that we sure. didn't do officially enough. Oh I'm my still... God, we didn't talk about the band. Uh, <laughs> the arrogance of me saying there's not much more to oh, say. That's about it, actually. <laughs> Ed Gamble is a fantastic comedian, podcast host himself of off-menu podcasts. I mean, oh, you, list them all. You already list listen, them all. You already listen to it, surely, but obviously off-menu is a fantastic podcast. And you've got the Taskmaster podcast. Yes. Ed Gamble and Matthew Crosby on Radio X. And relevant to this, and I think I reference it in the episode, his Life is podcast, where he interviews people from the world of metal. And I think I didn't say to him, really revealing that in this case I haven't listened to the episode before recording The Top and Tail, I was actually relieved when looking up to the Lifers podcast that it is either on a hiatus or on a permanent hiatus because... 
I can't handle how many podcasts Ed has. I was like, <laughs> he's not managing to keep this heavy metal podcast ball in the air as well, is he? No, it's mostly in lockdown. Yes. <laughs> you didn't want Ed to have more podcasts than the bands had members at the gig we were watching. That was your hope, as long as there could be... We're including bears. We... <laughs> spoiler, there was a bear spoiler. at one of them. There was a bear at the gig. A great, great spoiler. A great call forward from Ivo there. <laughs> if you're hearing what Ivo's just said in the tale, you're losing your mind. Right now, you're losing your mind for a different sort of more confusion based rather than hilarity based reason. last week blobby this week a bear <laughs> <laughs> i hope you enjoyed both halves of last week's episode with lou sanders yeah no i mean i said to someone the other day again what a needless glimpse into uh, my own professional anxieties i said i feel like i've just got to having a podcast just at the point where the power has become two podcasts <laughs> <laughs> and gamble is still e- even with the hiatus of lifers he's still on a birdie or a bogey the good one (laughs) the one where more is good even though in golf less is good but otherwise A plus analogy (laughs) you you do the it's like (laughs) I will so yes his work is obviously well worth seeking out I think he's limbering up for another stand up tour and there's so much to choose from from the canon of gamble but obviously what we'd like you to do now is stay at the small bit of the canon of gamble that is within the canon of Keelian Graham (laughs) I, his forthcoming episode of Gig Pigs about a trip to sea amongst other bands, Napalm Death. And when I say amongst other bands, one of the support bands in particular had a name which my parents have started to use as a sort of regular anecdote for the sort of thing Ivo's doing these days. <laughs> and I almost don't want to say that in the intro yet. No, exactly. It's one of those names where you would say after someone has said a complicated three-word thing that you go, oh, I think I saw them on the other stage in Glastonbury <laughs> in 1998, but it's a real band name. Yeah, I mean, I suppose get your ex-band name by... Your favourite prison camp region. Lovely. A, your um, favourite sort of staple t- of a food a group. Yeah, exactly. And quite a sort of aggressive your thing favorite, that you might do to uh, that. Or, or your favourite dating app. And now, please, Alex, give me uh, another band name. <laughs> with, with those ah, I want to hear you. Al- Al- Mongolian Al- yep. Pasta Bumble. <laughs> oh, Again, it's bad that, form to laugh bad. too much at your this co-host, but like, he is... makes me laugh. I love him. You've got to bookmark that point of the episode, and when you hear what the band name is, you're coming back to that, and you're really enjoying that. But I don't want to spoil what Mongolian pasta. Um, he can't even is. do it again. He no, finds, it, he it, finds was... it harder to replicate his own greatness <laughs> than to just roll out his greatness off the cuff. Before we crack on with episode six, let's, as heavily trailed in previous episodes, go into a bit more of our post bag. I'm going to read an email, which I'd like to think might be a reference to our trip to Brussels to watch Phoenix in episode four, because this email from Harry Thompson is called Le Gigs Francaise. Exactly the sort of butchering of the franglais that I endorse as someone who got a low to one. Hello, chaps. <laughs> Very much enjoying the pod so far. As a man of similar vintage and musical predilections as you both, it's really nice that people... It's like... we. We, we are but, finding the people who subscribed yeah. to The Enemy in 2007. Yeah, yeah, but it's really, it's fun for the first two letters we've read on this podcast to basically start, I'm over the hill as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no one in the prime of life is saying of similar vintage. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, gig pigs. I've got the rest of my life to look forward to and I don't really um, have any sort of music-based nostalgia. Who's Bye. Mr. Blobby? <laughs> <laughs> Who's Mr. Blobby? <laughs> 
very much enjoyed the pod so far thank you as a man of similar vintage and musical productions you both it's really made me misty for my London going gig years circa 2006 ish to 2018 when I moved to Edinburgh good for lots of things less so gigs well, well, we managed to make it to the O2 Academy to see the Gaslight Anthem during the Fringe. Sorry, that's not meant to be. I should have sarcasm. It was, it was, it was a faff to get to. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and making me feel bad for only seeing one gig last year, the fantastic Ezra Furman in Leith. Wherein I was stood behind John Robbins the whole time, but was too nervous to say anything in case I got it wrong. Oh, well, not for us to say whether it was a good decision or a bad decision. Give us a date. We can cross-reference Robin's tour schedule and we can sort that out once and for all. Unless what we, can we sort out? The, 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 whether the, it was the, Robin's or not. Uh, or we, are they certain oh, it was oh, Robin's? No, I, think, I think that's not the issue. I think it's vibe. It's, oh, it's, got the social interaction right. right. It was a definite Robin's unclear as to whether they would get the social interaction right by I, I, interfering I so. with someone else's gig going experience. It's not for us to say, Harry, you're welcome to clarify that by a follow-up email, but I suspect you probably don't want to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But it's also spurred me to buy tickets for Barty's Strange next week in Glasgow, who released my favourite album of 2022. Oh, man, I'm, I'm not familiar with the work of Barty's Strange. Are you, Alex? I'm not. So I there guess, we go. Um, Could it be our first entry to the Extra Swill playlist from a listener email? Democratising Extra Swill. We are up to a point. <laughs> it's a carefully managed democracy. And again, Alex, I dare say you give it's an a, example. It's a republic. We gerrymander the playlist in such a way that overall our interests are most reflected in the, in the Imagine playlist. being sat next to a man where you could just be like, and um, what's that, Alex? And he could just do that. He'd just, he'd just be like, yep, I've got gerrymandered, locked and loaded. <laughs> anyway, to the point at hand. That's what Harry Potter says. But it's also very relevant as we only entered the second paragraph of his four-paragraph email. French gigs! I was one week into my first job after university. Incidentally, I believe we overlapped at Oxford. <laughs> did you ever write for Cherwell? Did I ever write for Cherwell, Harry Thompson? I'll tell you what, I did. And also, I applied to be music editor of the Oxford student newspaper. I didn't get it, but someone else <laughs> did. We weren't in direct competition. We I was the, the following next year. Yeah, the following you know, I was year. just, I was... They recognised the showed one set of footprints. That's when I became Oxford music editor on my own. <laughs> Someone high up at the Ox stew was saying, listen, we really missed a trick by not getting that self-hating Etonian virgin <laughs> to uh, edit the music section. Yes, I was a virgin at that point, I think. Yes. <laughs> I, think that's, no, your, I think that's, um, I think that's bang on. Under the bus there. Second year music editing. So, you know, I made it cleanly through my first year at university without losing that virginity. Well, if you've seen Alex live, you'll uh, statistically almost certainly have enjoyed his two decades. Joe Crutcher <laughs> explicitly references that record. I ran the gamut from music editor to 2009 to 10. Wow. Ah, oh, I mean, listen, I'm aware that even for people of a similar vintage, listening to us reminisce about music sections of newspapers at Oxford is vile. But I reckon I'll be able to dig out some old Sherwells to see the sort of stuff Harry Thompson was editing, and I can't wait to do that, which were ripe indie O2 Academy days. They were. Oh, I wonder if oh, I probably emailed Harry Thompson asking if I could write a review of Foles or Later the Pier, <laughs> two of my top O2 Academy gigs in that era. And Frightened Rabbit. But Alex, I've said this to you a thousand times. I love the past. <laughs> so, Harry, you're doing bad things to me. I was basically asked... No, no context, gig pigs. I love the past, <laughs> Ivo Graham. <laughs> I think there is context up for that, though, isn't it? Sure, <laughs> sure, yes. I think the context you. is. <laughs> I was asked to basically run an errand in two different Parisian hospitals. I worked in medical imaging at the time. Okay. I mean, I suppose it is good that I've got some stuff I relate to less. But, but basically, I'm selfishly immediate. I'm like... Yeah, do we even need to finish this email? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got all of me remembering Foles and Later the Pier stuff out of this. Some fumbled French and rudimentary MRI instructions later, I had a free evening in the City of Light. 
Would I sup absinthe in an opium den? Listen to avant-garde jazz through the ha- haze of Gaulois smoke? No, I'd try and find a band I already knew because I wanted comfort and safety. Fortunately, <laughs> slowcore pioneers low were playing La Gaite Lyrique that night. Would I meet a beautiful... Hugely enjoying how much of this evil is expressed in the form of rhetorical questions to which the answer is clearly no. Would I meet a beautiful listen Parisian girl at the gig, swap pithy bon mot and ultimately move to the Dordoin with her to start a bijou vineyard? No, I'd hear... English voices and make friends with a couple who somehow lived just down the road from me in Archway. <laughs> but Lowe was superlative and I spent the rest of the evening wandering the lamplit streets of Paris alone, listening to music and basking in the blissful calm only a white man alone in a foreign city at night could have. Oh, the absolute stunning mixture of wild gay abandon and crushing self-awareness in this email. <laughs> it remains one of my finest gig-going memories. I've no doubt your podcast will continue to stir similar reverie. Keep up the good work, Harry. Thank you very much, Harry. And as I say, can't wait to delve back into the student music journalism that you wrote or edited. But <laughs> also as someone who spent a lot of time walking alone through Paris on my notionally sociable and academic, often neither year abroad, I'm picturing all of this. <laughs> um, so that's an outstanding piece of correspondence for me. I did read an article from the Charwell newspaper music section very recently, in the last month, because the fantastic zombie apocalypse TV show The Last of Us has a very moving episode three with Nick Offerman's character and it's got huge plaudits for being a very moving episode of TV and it contains a very moving moment where they use the piece of music On the Nature of Daylight by Max Richter and I was like oh I think I recognize this is, is, is that On the Nature of Daylight and I sort of googled it and one of the first things that came up was a Cherwell article which was someone asking movie and TV producers to stop using On the Nature of Daylight because they love that song and they feel it is a cheap emotional heartstring tug auto-generating emotion in the viewer but not based on the content of what you put on the yeah. screen. You're just using... You're just like, the how to you save a life anything. problem. Exa- exa- exactly. <laughs> you're putting paint dry on the wall and then playing... On the nature of daylight, and you're weeping immediately. Yeah. But is that because of the pain? No. What an interesting question. I'm intrigued by that, whilst admittedly not having heard the song or watched The Last of Us, a program which, as a man who's struggling to keep up with all the TV, I've already mean to have watched. I'd sort of written off as like, that zombie one I surely don't have to bother with. But you've not sent me yet a video of you pressing <laughs> T. Still haven't managed to work out how access Fleischman is in trouble on Disney Plus, despite you assuring me it's there. I love the idea of someone having uploaded the exact correct Disney Plus app except just Sean of Fleischman is in trouble. To deny me the ability to watch a TV show based on a book I've read. I never read books explicitly about nostalgia that I could discuss with you in opera. That's cruel. Uh, <laughs> but ultimately Succession's back this week so that will tide me over for a bit. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. It's an absolutely fantastic episode so please listen to Ed Gamble watching Napalm Death. Well, let's talk about it then. You nearly bloody gave the game away in Buxton. Wait, you want to... That's the story as I heard it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll talk about that at the recommend... We can talk about that at the recommendation bit. So let's let's try to... I guess let's try to kick off in a sec. We're kicking off now. (laughs) We'll do one of those cold opens where people think they're about to hear a great story about Hunted. But actually, it's 45 minutes of chat about metal. And then at the end, we'll hear what you did in Buxton. Ed, thank you very much for... 
oh, I'd like to say coming on the podcast, but having us in the Plosive Studios. Yeah, well, I'm not fully in charge of the Plosive Studios. I'm here a lot. Mm. If I hang around a lot. <laughs> it's helped us, though. Yeah. It? it smooths the path. <laughs> How many podcasts have you done in this room that haven't been off menu? None. I think this is the yes. first one, but you'll be happy to know I am sat in the same seat as I sit in for off menu. Who's guest? Who's James? You're James. Great. Ivo's guest. Brilliant. But this setup to me seems like it makes more sense. Two hosts, guest in the middle. Pincer. Pincer movement. Mm. <laughs> Whereas we go for the sort of head on. Mm. Job interview. Like, job interview. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to think of another dinosaur <laughs> situation because obviously the raptors are the pincer movement yeah, yeah. in Jurassic Park. But I don't know of any dinosaurs that go head on. Just sort of vegetarian dinosaurs are getting yeah, eaten by carnivores. We're, we're stegging. We're stegging. <laughs> we're stegging. How many dinosaurs pretend to be a genie for And would Benito usually sit? Benito would sit there, yeah. It does feel like he's died. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we have put a bottle of water where he... <laughs> Yes, absolutely, in memory of his love of water. He hasn't died. Alex is just doing an absolutely fantastic job producing this himself. Yeah. Assuming this is being recorded now. Yeah, we're very hopeful of all sorts of things. Um, and video-wise, this is our first podcast that we're videoing. I've immediately let the side down by not wearing anything musical. Let's talk us through the outfits. Well, I'm wearing a Napalm Death t-shirt that I bought the other night when we went to the gig. Mm. You bought that on Sunday? I bought that on Sunday. Amazing. Yeah. Alex and I have discussed a merch investment rating system where... Uh, <laughs> You have a score out of 10 for how much you like the band you've gone to see or how yeah. much you've sort of emotionally invested in that experience. And then a score out of 10 for how much you like the actual T-shirt. And the combined score has to be 15 for you to buy a T-shirt. Interesting. <laughs> so break down your T-shirt. So price. they're out of 10, the two, two scores are out of 10. 10. So, I mean, actually, it's definitely going to be way above 15 because I like No Pum Death a lot. Mm. I'd give them maybe an 8, which I think is is fair. Sure. Mm. For a hugely influential band in your favourite genre of music thank you this t-shirt's probably a nine yeah creeping into a ten because <laughs> i love this, this t-shirt for, for those of you who are just listening on audio and can't see the video it's not what you would expect it's a pink t-shirt with the napalm death logo with a rainbow in the background and a bunny sat on a cloud and i'm constantly looking for metal or punk or hardcore t-shirts that aren't black with a white logo on them mm. so this straight away is a win. <laughs> Did you see a lot of other people in non-black metal merch at the gig we went to? No, there was a lot of just straight up black metal yeah. merch. And then also, Napalm Death, they do actually have quite a broad fan base in terms of who they attract. And there were a lot of old Napalm Death heads there who were just sort of men in their 50s who just have normal jobs. Right. And that's what they'd come from, just like bomber jacket, jeans, mm. a look on their face that said, don't cross me. I didn't get a lot of Don't Cross Me vibes at the gig, I would say. I think faces just naturally give that oh, yeah. across sometimes. But they, they set in after a certain period. But personality-wise, you probably could cross them and they'd be <laughs> fine with it. Well, we should get to the gig in due course, but I think we might rewind a little to talk about the entire history of your love of heavy metal. <laughs> I feel we're very lucky that you've come on the podcast, that you've got us into Plosive, that you've dressed fantastically for our debut video content. And I also feel that... We have used Napalm Death and you in the both external and internal promotion of our podcast and the breadth of its aims, including <laughs> yes. the actual trailer. Yeah. And I wanted to check, though it's far too late, whether you felt that was appropriate. <laughs> 
<laughs> the answer is no. Yeah, I, of course. We can't retract the trailer. I don't know why I would think it was inappropriate. The only thing I was worried about was that what if something happened and we couldn't go to the gig and then you've promised. Oh, yeah. We're yeah. going to Napalm Death with a their Baccarat situation. Yeah, it's, oh, the, no. it's the old Baccarat. Not the old Baccarat. Please go <laughs> <laughs> Don't need to see what's recurring. But I think you were worried, Ivo, because you messaged me to say this, that you were worried that you'd used Napalm Death as a punchline. Mm. As in, like, we're going to all these gigs of, like, cool, trendy indie bands, mm. and then we're going to see Napalm Death. Because, obviously, the name is broadly silly. Yeah. Well, I think metal bands' names always serve for a bit of sort of short-term Comedic fodder. Yeah, I mean, I've been massively guilty of that in my stand-up. So. Yeah. Do you want to give us any names of bands that have served you particularly well? Sure. I've been working on a new bit about Goat Whore. Right. Um, <laughs> went to see them this year, actually. Went to see them in Feb. Talking about Goat Whore quite a lot. There's, I mean, there's loads of other bands. There's such silly names. Has you talking about a band ever led you to a band to be in touch with them in a way that you didn't expect? So, for example, obviously you've interviewed lots of metal bands for your podcast, Lifers. Mm-hmm. But, and indeed... Was Corey Taylor of Slipknot in this room? No, Corey Taylor of Slipknot was on Zoom for ah. Off Menu, sadly. That's a shame. But, you know, I'll take it. But <laughs> has a band like Goat Whore ever got in touch yeah. off the back of you talking about them in Stanford? No, Goat Whore have not been in touch. I am in touch with a lot of the great and good of the sort of up-and-coming British metal scene, mm. very much exploiting my minor fame to talk to <laughs> bands that I really like. And it's a really funny thing where, not these bands necessarily, but I remember a few years ago going to see a band and I was like, I can't wait to see They were a band called Tombs who were quite an underground New York metal band, thinking, I can't wait, I'm absolutely buzzing. And then I arrived and the gig wasn't that busy. Mm. I thought, "Mm, I'm now in a situation where I can sell more tickets than the bands that I like, (laughs) which is a very weird feeling. Joint headline tour? Ed Gamble and Tombs. <laughs> but it's fun to flip it, though, because usually it's the, ooh, there's a comedian supporting a yes. band. Let's have a metal band supporting yeah. Ed Gamble. I've often thought about doing something like that, putting on a night for charity or something with metal bands and emceeing in between. But then you get to flip it, because I feel like comedians are always the ones who are hard done by. They're performing yes. to a standing audience, yeah, whereas yeah. this time you're trying to get, like, goat whore playing <laughs> in, like, the fourth half at all while everyone's sitting down and politely applauding. Yeah. I wonder how the old goat whore boys would deal with that. <laughs> they are all boys, surprisingly. Um, yes, I'm not surprised. I'm thinking about whether I'd like to go on before or after them. Because that's the main thing at most comedy mixed bills, is sort of glancing anxiously at the set list to see who are going to follow. Are you a breath of fresh air after some pretty intense metal? <laughs> Or are actually the audience on their feet having a great time and the last thing they want to hear about is Eton. (laughs) (laughs) I was speaking to my parents on the phone on Sunday night before the gig about a range of emotional issues and it was quite a convenient point as I approached Camden to be able to say, thank you very much for the support as ever, speak tomorrow, Um, but if I don't go now, I will miss Siberian meat grinder. And they uh, they enjoyed that, and I wouldn't describe... I mean, my mum's not sort of massively into music and gigging sort of in general, and I can't say my father's ever pointed me within his musical landscape it sort of towards Mordor. But um, he likes in the film About a Boy when Marcus played by Nicholas Holt decides to sing Killing Me Softly yes. uh, a cappella, and he's following... 
I think Rachel Weisz's cool son, who hates him, right. is doing a sort of, it's still probably pretty lame and teenage through our adult eyes, but obviously through his incredibly cool like rock band with a sort of metal twist, and they're singing a song called Murder for Life. So whenever I'm going to see anything that my dad considers remotely heavy, yeah. he'll say, I hope they play Murder for Life, because his only reference for like a Fantastic. metal title is a song that... I wish I could remember his name. The kid sings in About a Boy that creates an unfollowable atmosphere for Marcus to sing Killing Me Softly a cappella in. But now Siberian Meat Grinder has entered the grave. <laughs> Fantastic. And I mean, a couple of times in the last... I'd say they're a fairly niche band in that I had not heard of them before I saw the poster for this gig. Mm. So we should say there was four bands on, right? So yes. Napalm so, Death were headlining. So who was the, I think I missed the very opening. So did, did we. You, yeah, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. I do like to see all support bands normally. But the doors opened at five. <laughs> Come on. And it finished at like a normal time for a gig to finish as well. So mm. it was a long night. Esquela Grind were the first band on, who I've since listened to and are very good. I'm a bit sad that I missed them. We should also say my wife came to this gig. Yes. Which is a very unusual situation for me. How much has metal music played a part in your relationship over the years? Very little. I mean, Charlie has good taste in music, if very offbeat taste in music, and of a huge range. But recently has started playing guitar again. She used to play guitar and she started learning again and has suddenly got into heavier stuff. That's very nice. So we're know. starting to go to gigs together, which is very exciting. So how many gigs have you been to in the last year? How many of them have been metal and how many of them have been a husband and wife outing? In the last 12 months, we have been to a couple of gigs together, but they were more on the indie side. So we went to see Wet Leg together and we went to see our friend's band, Fortitude Valley, who are absolutely amazing. And we went to see them together. But this was the first sort of heavy gig that we went to together. What a lovely treat. A huge shout out to Charlie for coming. It was a terrific endorsement. Yeah, and she, thing. she really loved it. But we missed the Squella Grind, which she was disappointed by because it was the only band with a woman in it. <laughs> <laughs> but she still bought merch, which... Charlie bought some Squella Grind merch, which when she said, oh, I'm going to buy this, I reacted just naturally like, oh, really? Because I consider that stepping over an invisible boundary. Yes, right. Buying merch of a band that you missed... That's, on the bill. Hmm. Well, by our score, if it's 10 out of 10 merch, it still has to be a 5 out of 10 band and you've chosen not yeah. to watch a, you know... Well, that's not, it's a 0 out of 10 band if you've not seen <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. Which is a shame for them, but it's just the, the way things are. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't realise that loss of the undercard had hit home so hard with Charlie and her, frankly, illegal T-shirt choices. <laughs> I was, while Esquela Grind were on, still meant to be in a soft play in Chiswick. <laughs> 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 uh, and, yeah, that was a... It was an unworkable clash. That's No, that's fine. I think we would have missed them anyway. But it was lovely to walk into the venue. I don't know if you guys feel the same. When you walk in and there's a band already on, the excitement levels hit 10 straight yeah, away. Yeah. It's such a great feeling. And especially when that band is Siberian Midlander, <laughs> who were fantastic. I think I arrived about five minutes later than both of all well, three of you. And then I think my first question was, were they actually Russian? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I believe they are, as far as I know. They are. If they're not, they're really leaning into it yeah, sort of yeah. big time in terms of the method acting. But yeah, I'd heard them a bit before. I listened to them, they did my revision. And well, the lead singer's got a bear mask on. Yeah. And that's just the tip of the Ursine iceberg. <laughs> They've um, got a song called Join the Bear Cult. Yes. I believe. I mean, which you seem to miss completely, Alex. You completely missed this. I arrived post bear. They had one song where someone came on in a massive bear costume mm. for one song. And regal robes. And regal robes, yeah. <laughs> sort of wandered around, didn't sing, 
just waving and motivating. Yes, and I felt motivated by it. Yeah, it was it was it was an early high point of the night. It was gutting that you turn up five minutes later than the rest of the gang, but still at sort of pretty manageable what quarter past seven in the evening. You don't expect to be carrying the Mister the Bear regret. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the bear did not make another appearance. You would have thought pop the bear on for the last song as well. Mm. Yeah, if ever a band was able to do a first song, last song, same song yeah. thing, if you got a bear costume, yeah. you can encore the bear costume. I think you can encore the bear costume. I said to Ivo at the time, I was a bit worried that they're only using it for one song because they've got to get it all around Europe, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it must start to stink a bit as well. So why not use it in extra songs? But I think they lean into it pretty heavily on their Instagram account. Right, right, right. They're using the bear costume a lot on Siberian <laughs> Meat Grinders Instagram, which I'm a proud follower of. What sort of things are they doing? Just visiting European tourist locations? Yeah, just running around, yeah. With a bear? Yeah, with a bear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How regular is it for bands to bring on animals or other mascots at Metal Gigs? I'm not sure it's that regular. Also, I think we should probably say, just for the listener, that it probably wasn't a metal gig. It was more of a punk gig. Mm. Sort of hardcore punk, grindcore, which comes from punk. It was a heavy gig, mm. but it felt more punky. And I think punk bands have a little bit more fun a lot of the time. So I've not seen too many bands with the costumes. Weirdly, that wet leg gig again, go back to that. They had some costumes that people dressed as lobsters and stuff at the end, and someone dressed as a big mop. So this is everywhere just trying to highlight the Russians have to go where... From Russia, okay, yeah. bears, yeah, and yeah, where yeah. they gone with the olive oil. Yes, yeah, yum, yeah, yummy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Do another one. Do another one. Um, <laughs> if I'm death of uh, red hot chili peppers, just say Californication a lot, buddy. I guess bears as well for the animal of California. Yeah. The bear's the animal of California. It is. It's on the flag. Thanks, man. But I mean, they don't, but they don't, <laughs> I mean, they don't use the bear, so it's not a true or helpful they fact. They don't even wear clothes most They're, of the time. Yeah. <laughs> They're doing the opposite of Siberian meat grinder. They're grinding their meat. Alex was five minutes late to a Red Hot Chili Peppers gig once and he missed the song where they put their clothes on. (laughs) 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 Their socks were on their feet by the time you arrived. (laughs) (laughs) But Siberian meat grinder, were they not the most sort of metal of the... Yeah. Because there was sort of quite like... um, florid squealy guitar from them occasionally in a way that didn't happen in the other two yeah definitely i'd say they were more of if we can get technical more of a crossover band and crossover is sort of hardcore punk and thrash metal are Mm -hmm. the two genres that are being crossed over and they were a bit more sort of liberal with their influences and genre there's a lot going on there and listening to them on record there's occasional bursts of russian folk (laughs) <laughs> they were sort of reminded me a little bit on record, vocally anyway, of occasionally breaking into sort of go-go bordello. Yes, uh, great. Stuff. Real I'm life. into that. Yeah. Mm. I've seen them six times or something. Have you? Yeah, it's too many times. <laughs> <laughs> They're a good band. They're a good band. It's a real shame we couldn't have explored the go-go bordello. Siberian meat grinder link before. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, my favourite thing about go-go bordello is obviously their entire aesthetic is gypsy punks. Yes. But they had quite a large legal dispute about royalties a couple of years ago. Is it a musical gypsy? No, I've got that wrong. <laughs> no. So they, they are self-styled gypsy punks. One yeah. of their albums is called Gypsy Punks Underdog World Strike. Yes, yeah, so that's the one I've I listened the, to. Yeah, the big yellow one with yeah, the yeah. Dennis the Menace catapults yes. on the front cover. Not my spin, normal <laughs> catapults. But basically there, there was a Read big... Read other catapults. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. there was a big legal dispute 
And I remember reading a Guardian article and it was about the royalties and Eugene Hutt's trying to maybe take more of the royalties than perhaps other band members felt was his fair share. But then it just had the sentence in legal wranglings over the fate of Gypsy Punks LLC, <laughs> which is like, you shouldn't have punks and limited liability corporation no. in the same sentence. Like, find a different name for your LLC if you're going to LLC. <laughs> yeah, and as far as I know, in terms of the other half of that name, the traveller community don't really like to put their money into the system necessarily. They're a little bit more protective over their money. Sure, so sure. the old LLC looking up Gypsy Punks on Company's house. <laughs> <laughs> oh man thanks for doing your research for the gig ed oh of course i always research before i go to gigs. because i left it too late and thought i'm just gonna have to be swept along in whatever's happening on the night but i can't say that i would have been much more prepped for having done a lot of research i think like were you recognizing a lot of songs that you'd listened to definitely with napalm death i mean they're a band i listen to anyway so i did do a little bit of revision on certainly the last two albums and their first album mm. Scum. Scum, yes. 1987. Mm. Amazing, isn't it? And the last two I really, really like. I think they're probably my favourite Napalm Death albums because they're a little less just... Mm. There's some slower stuff. And in fact, I think you were saying during the gig, you were going, I really like that one. And it was always the ones from the last two albums. Yes. And I think it was a Drop Dead song that I really liked, which had quite a sort of relaxed break for about a minute and a half, where there was quite a good like junka junka rhythm, where they were sort of, it was a bit less screaming over it. Yeah. So Drop Dead were on just before Napalm Death. And it was lovely. The contrast between Siberian Meat Grinder with the bear costume, Mm. telling everyone we're part of the bear cult, (laughs) almost having a sort of flowy hip hop rhythm to some of the vocals and basic party time right and then drop dead came on and were very very serious serious. yes yes they'd played two or three very fast hardcore punk songs and then tell everyone why they were playing the songs Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it was normally one of the big three it was anti-misogyny anti-racism anti-meat yeah the three big topics yes animal liberation human liberation yeah and quite a serious man called Bob Otis, the singer of Drop Dead, who would give us these impassioned speeches in between the songs and then swing his microphone and make intense eye contact. Yes. <laughs> just just with throughout the songs. That was a don't cross me face. Yeah. That guy's got a don't cross me face. Also, he looks like the raspy bodyguard slash fixer of the baddie in Breaking Bad. If yes. you know what I mean. He's also in Community, the yeah. cropped white head. I can't quite find that guy's name now, but in Breaking Bad he's called Mike, Mike, Mike um, Ermintraut. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he looks like him in Breaking Is that fair? Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah, he's of that type. Yeah. Yeah. But then just says that we need to support people assisting with animal liberation. Yes. <laughs> screaming at you. He's one of those guys where you look at him and you go, you're definitely an extremist in one direction or the other. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I've got some things to tell you. And you're like, yeah. and which way? <laughs> we gonna- Here we go. <laughs> There's just so many funny like dichotomies when you go to that kind of metal gig. As you say that it's maybe not this subgenre, but a lot of them have this kind of convening with the night thing. Sure. But yeah, it's 5pm till 10pm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the earliest start of any game. Yeah, yeah. There is had. a curfew, guys. It's a Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. <laughs> Do you think it's a deliberate thing with a lot of these metal bands but it comes from a particular place earlier on in the movement decades ago where they almost have to say these clearly articulated leftist things to clarify that like oh our music sounds aggro but that's not our politics or not yeah maybe i'd say certainly with the band like drop dead who i guess have been around for decades and started on the punk scene where there have been some pretty far right punk bands yeah and then some far left punk bands as a sort of reaction to that or the other way around. So I guess they make their <laughs> politics very clear at the top. Yeah. In case they're playing like an all day a punk gig 
where yeah, the booking yeah. policy has just been book any punk band, so they have to be like, guys, we're not like the rest of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've done a sort of BPM booking policy. They've just yeah, made yeah. sure that everyone's at the same tempo, but they've not checked the lyrics very hard. <laughs> but I thought they were fantastic, and I liked how serious they were, and I liked how very intense that man was. Yeah, yeah. it mixed up the night terrifically. Yes. Do metal bands and punk bands, I mean, I'm talking about it like it's, genre I've never engaged with before but I am obviously talking to someone who's been to a vast quantity of these sorts of gigs does the singer usually not play an instrument to maximize the ability to pace to eyeball and to generally be sort of imbued with the spirit of death yeah I'd say so I'd say the majority of bands that I've seen within that genre the lead singer is not playing an instrument because of that you want a bit more freedom of movement on the stage I guess mm. Which is what half the bands are also calling for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One person who didn't have freedom of movement at the gig. Oh, that's very nice. That's, that's a lovely we've ripped up, We've ripped all the way to the headline act. Was the lead singer of Napalm Death. Barney. Barney. Who'd broken his foot, An- his ankle, ankle at Bro- a gig in Germany. Yes, in Munich. He broke his ankle and was very keen to let everyone know there were two options. <laughs> cancel all the gigs or do the gigs and just in case we hadn't noticed (laughs) he was doing the gig i think he even said there were two options cancel the gigs or do the gigs let me tell you option one wasn't an option i'm like well i think he said roughly that i was like okay yeah yeah." (laughs) also there was an ongoing sort of panto of it seems to be like as if people in the front were goading him to get up and he kept saying like Oh, no, you're not going to get me to... I think what was actually going on is they were calling for them to play You Suffer, which is their one-second song. song. Guinness Book of Records, shortest recorded song, which, again, I don't think is possible to have because you can always do a shorter... (laughs) Shortness is not something that you can really... Maybe it's the only one who's submitted. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Submitted to the guys at the Guinness it's one Book. Point, one point three seconds long. Yes. Could you add Campbell to an impression of that? No, song? because I also looked at the lyrics and it doesn't sound like that's what they're saying. And they seem to. Is it really? Yeah. Long? Is it like a speech? No, it's like it's, it's, it's at least you like you suffer for why I believe it's the. But then if you listen to it, it's literally like body up. So I don't know how they, well, they pack it in. how they've squeezed that in. Is other why? I think that's, Alex has done a terrific. Job there. <laughs> Alex, this is going to be a fun bonus question for later. But since we're on, you suffer for why. Can you tell me which politician of the last 20 years attempted to do an impression of You Suffer Why with Barney from Napalm Death on Radio 2? Wow. Can I get any clues? I, I mean, think I'm I remember g- this happening, but I'm struggling to it's remember. It's really great stuff. From the last 20 years, is it like Jack Straw? It's not Jack Straw. <laughs> Why is Jack Straw at the front I of think, your mind? I think I, I went like new Labour cabinet minister. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember if Jack Straw was maybe like a Brummy or something, was maybe from the Midlands. Right, it could okay. have been some kind yeah. of Midlands wow, connection. No, yeah. I've been fair enough. Oh, there's a logic. Yeah, there's a, a logic to my mind. <laughs> a lot of that happened quickly in your brain as well, because it was, from my perspective, it was which politician you went, Jack Straw? <laughs> <laughs> if you like Barack Obama, now, I'm going to be like, right, yeah, I was fishing in the wrong pool. <laughs> It'd be great to broadcast a really fun and interesting hour of talking about metal and punk with you. Yeah. And then messaging our producer saying, and can we clip up the Jack Straw bit? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'd say it's a more prominent, certainly more recent politician. It's a politician who I think his heart is in the right place. And I think I can wait. Who could have saved us all an awful lot of bothers. But it's a Miliband. It's a Miliband. Well, you got that from his heart's in the right place. Implicitly with heart's in the right place, it's someone whose heart is in the right place, but crucially they 
did not necessarily achieve what their heart might have wanted to have done. Yeah, yeah, that's a perfect summary. And also someone who wasn't afraid to give things a go. Yes. That being said, his was dreadful. He, he, <laughs> so there's this great clip of him. And what's interesting is that Barney from Napalm Death said that he was delighted to go on the radio show with Ed Miller Band and that he gets asked to do you saw why a lot, yeah. But he usually declines, yeah. But the Ed Miller band had shown such a deep knowledge of Napalm Death that he couldn't have just researched it for the interview, which I thought was rather sweet. But then you thought, given that Ed Miller band was apparently a fan and had been building up to it himself, he would have given it a bit more of a go than what he did, which is to go, oi, oi. <laughs> oh dear god it's so tussing us yeah like it's, 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 <laughs> and unfortunately after the bacon sandwich thing drop dead won't speak to him no, oh no siberian meat grinder though they say he, he can be the bear anytime <laughs> and tonight's bear it's a bit bad so barney had a broken ankle but he's obviously very energetic on stage normally and it was wonderful to watch that happen just with one leg because he was sat down stomping his good leg up and down and still doing his hair ruffling thing, sort yeah. of frenetic energy hair ruffling thing. And it worked. <laughs> they were fucking great still. Would you say you saw more energy on stage from broken leg than wet leg? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. <laughs> when one limb breaks, the others fresh harder. <laughs> I quite liked either band's acknowledge a request when it happens yeah but he did it quite like uh you'll get that later well you'll that was i that think later. that was when people were asking for you suffer and dead which is their other very short song right and they did play both of them but i just love the way they played them where they finish a song and then they did you suffer but it's so quick and they don't announce it and they just did it and he just looked at everyone and went fucking concentrate <laughs> 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 and then about 10 minutes later they dropped it again no that was dead I think they did dead and you suffer oh I mean look <laughs> look let's not beat around the bush they sound quite similar yeah 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 I'm not feeling bad so yeah, yeah, confuse yeah. those two yeah 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 I think it's fine how long's dead 2.6 seconds yeah I think it's more of an opus yeah <laughs> the weird thing is that Ed Miliband can do dead perfect <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> the difficult second scream <laughs> But yeah, I think it must be a bit annoying because those songs are obviously like very short and the value of them is that they're short. Mm, mm. But at they're the time... content for yeah, our TikTok generation. Exactly, that's what they were thinking <laughs> back in the late 80s. But people showing up to gigs and just asking for those must be a bit annoying, like trying to make them out to be a bit of a novelty band, which they're not. Mm. But I'm glad they did them anyway and just remonstrated with people that they weren't keeping up. Yeah. Fucking keep up. Yeah, it undeniably adds a bit of extra character to have a sort of thick brummy accent in between absolutely uh, songs and there was a bit where they were discussing they were discussing they were conducting a round table about one of their songs <laughs> called invigorating clutch yes off the new album and barney promised us that it wasn't going to be as fast but it was going to be very loud which is also important yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got his own t-shirt system out of 20 of fast and loud and as long as each song hits 15 out of 20 it's a goer <laughs> They're a very loud band. They did a thing a few years ago, which you might have read about on your research trip. It's like an art installation thing. I can't remember where it was, but they basically built a room out of these bricks and then had Napalm Death play at full volume to try and basically reduce the room to rubble. Wow. And that was the idea behind it, that they were going to play so loud that this room would fall around them. And I seem to remember it didn't work, so they just trashed the room. <laughs> <laughs> they just kicked all the bricks over. Wow, these audio waves have just really kicked. Sets off Acme, TNT, Dynamite. 
do you tend to worry about noise levels at metal gigs? You weren't very impressed when I told you I was thinking of bringing earplugs. No, I'm obviously fine with you using earplugs. My wife had earplugs in as well. I don't worry about it, but maybe I should. Mm. I'm not going to like five a week or anything. If I was attending You've not many... committed to the lifestyle we've committed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've not signed myself up for an admin-heavy live music podcast. I would probably use earplugs, yeah, but I try not to stand too close to the speakers. Mm. But that's the only capitulation that I'll make. I also think that having, again, sort of teed it up in my mind as, this is going to be an assault. Let's go to Boots. I, uh, <laughs> um, it's actually, as with many of the rock gigs I've been to, it was nowhere near as bad as going to like dance music. No, I'm sure. Where I think there's much less thought given to just where people are going to be standing and how loud yeah. it's going to be. And the venue has rules as well, right, mm. that they stuck to. But I have been to some gigs where, actually in that room that have been horrifically loud, so I went to see Baroness play there with Torch and Red Fang, and Torch especially, very, very loud, stoner, doom, pop band. It's sort of well-known to be so. Yes, I think so. Well, I've seen them three times, and yeah, seeing them at the New Cross Inn, I felt like I should have worn earplugs for that. Just very, very loud. Mm. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the other bands with that reputation. My Bloody Valentine, people always talk about being like yes. ear-splitting stuff. I'd lose a few kilohertz of my frequency for My Bloody Valentine. I don't mind that. Yeah. Because right? the ringing in your ears is you just losing frequencies that you never get back. Oh, is, is it? Is that, sorry, to, oh, sorry. No. His head's going to change his entire well, I, plugs. I went to see a band called Sun, which if you see it written down, it's S-U-N-N. Uh, brackets, brackets, brackets. Oh, brackets, brackets, brackets. And they are famously extremely loud. I saw them in Bristol. And they were so loud. It was at a festival. They were the first night at the festival. And there was a rumour went around the festival the next day that three people in the front row got a nosebleed because it was so loud. Aren't they also the ones that meant to have invented the brown note? I don't think they invented the brown note, but I believe they are thought to have actually discovered the brown note practically. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so a nosebleed is actually good news. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something's going to come out of one end when you see that bad. You could just keep your fingers crossed. Was this the first time you'd seen Napalm Death? No, I saw Napalm Death years and years ago at Wembley Arena mm. on a touring bill that was called Tattoo the Planet that was supposed to be Pantera, Slayer, Biohazard... Napalm Death, Raging Speedhorn, Therapy. I think that's it. Started at 1pm and at 9pm? It was a big day. It was a big day. <laughs> but then the gig was taking place, I think it was September 14th, 2001. So obviously world travel and world events were a bit up in the air. So Pantera cancelled, which I was gutted about at the time. Now, I'm, don't worry, I'm not a big Pantera boy now. But Slayer did it, Biohazard did it, Therapy did it, and Napalm Death did it. Who did you go to that gig with? My friend Josh, of course. <laughs> Sorry, you know when you go mad and you're like, I don't know if they actually played that yeah. gig. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to look it up so I don't embarrass myself. Like, oh, if they it was didn't... September the 9th and just some of them knew that it was going to happen. <laughs> That's why they cancelled. If they didn't play that gig, we're just going to cut all of that out. Because um, Raging Speedhorn definitely did it, so maybe I'm just getting mixed up. Right, sorry, I should say we just took a short pause because I was absolutely terrified that Napalm Death didn't play Tattoo the Planet at Wembley Arena. Now I remember they definitely did because A, I've looked it up and B, when I was walking to the gig, we were around the back of Wembley Arena and I saw a member of Napalm Death and I was like, oh, that's Barney from Napalm Death. So I started shouting Barney oh, wow. quite a lot and then whoever it was sort of laughed and ignored me and I was like, that's a bit rude of Barney. And then I was reading uh, a issue of Kerrang! magazine a couple of weeks later and realised that it was Shane. So I was just shouting the wrong name at him. Have you ever had a chance to apologise to Barney? No, sadly not. 
Well, Barney wasn't the one I was shouting at, so it'd be Shane that I owed an apology to, but he wasn't even at the gig we went to. He was sadly not there. The lineup for this, to some people, this will be exciting. <laughs> Defenestration, a very short-lived new metal band. Raging Speedhorn, Biohazard, Napalm Death, Cradle of Filth, Therapy, and Slayer. Wow. Not bad. And those are the bands that did it. Those are the bands that did it, yeah. Uh, so I saw them then. I saw them a few years ago on a double headline tour with Carcass, who are another grindcore metal band from the same era as Napalm Death and were another band that John Peel did sessions with. So they sort of got a bit of a boost from that, really. Then it was those guys in Extreme Noise Terror, I think, who are sort of considered forefathers of the British extreme scene. And who do you tend to go to these gigs with? Kieran Boyd, normally. <laughs> Kieran Boyd, comedian, metalhead. His taste is probably more disgusting than mine, I'd say. <laughs> I'd say I need a break now and again, but he's just like, oh, have you heard this new album? It sounds like it's been recorded in a bin and a fox has died. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, cheers, man, thanks. Never listened to that. So he wouldn't have enjoyed the sort of almost camp theatricality of Siberian Meat Grinder? Oh, no, he would have loved Siberian Meat Grinder, but yeah, but I'd say day to day he is listening to stuff that the majority of the British public would consider completely unlistenable. Right. <laughs> and you would say you're sort of about three quarters of the way along? Yeah, I'll pop that on, but it has to be the right mood. Mm. What was the first gig you went to see in your life? And what was the first gig of this genre that you'd say you went to see? That's a good question, because I think first gig is always quite embarrassing. Linkin Park. Oh, that's all right, actually. That's uh, pretty good. Take that. Yeah. Picking this conversation. Zemphira. That's pretty good as well. <laughs> in many ways, I've named a new metal band, and you've named a Russian punk rock artist. Yes. yes. Only the kudos only slightly reduced by the fact that I believe Roman Abramovich was sitting in the circles watching... <laughs> Yeah. So it was a pretty cool punk band, but also a punk band that someone with net wealth of $9.3 billion was felt pretty comfortable watching. From and also we were on a school trip from Eton. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Buried the lead a little bit, I suppose. <laughs> Buried the lead under a brown <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you said that, I might as well also say that the first metal gig that I saw was at the Rock Sock at school. Amazing. <laughs> and so it was a band called Evil. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, Evil are good. Yeah, it was good. They were touring their album Enter the Grave and they entered Eaton Cottage. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a social event on a Saturday night where about 100 girls from a girls' school came and it was like a sort of social where two single-sex boarding schools did a sort of swap. But it was like this... <laughs> Girl school got the shortest straw possible. <laughs> they, thought they, were going bowling. Like, yeah, they thought they were going bowling or ice skating or like to a disco. And it was like, you are coming to watch Evil, this Evil. death metal band. Or like, is it even death metal? Thrash, 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 thrash metal yeah. band. And the song Enter the Grave itself, I enjoy it. I remember yeah, that. Yeah. I remember it was like a good, and it was just very funny because I would say of that audience, over 90% of the audience were there primarily to socialise with girls or boys because they go to a single-sex boarding <laughs> yeah, school. Yeah. And then I was like, when Smithers is getting danced at by two almost naked women trying to focus on this thrash metal band. <laughs> she stopped snogging in front of me. <laughs> trying to watch Evil. Trying to watch Enter the Grave. <laughs> That's amazing. It's thrash metal, not thrush metal, guys. Come on, <laughs> focus. So, yeah, I wouldn't... We, there was a band at our school who used to play in the tuck shop quite a lot called Callus, who are like a sort of, of new, your contemporaries. couple of years above. Mm. Yeah, who were like a new metal band and they did a few cover versions. And let me tell you, the tuck shop got torn apart. <laughs> we went absolutely bonkers in there. There were boosts <laughs> flying across the room. And then afterwards they were like, our sound waves did that one. So there was just we didn't the touch audience. Those boosts. <laughs> Go on, open a Kit Kat junkie. It's just crumbs of wafer now. 
First, I think, are you counting things? Does it have to be a specific headline gig? So I went to see that band. Or, so, for example, the first live music I saw as a kid was at Capital FM's Party in the Park. Oh, lovely. Great. And I remember the first band we were on because I remember distinctly thinking, this is the first live band I've ever seen. You visualised yeah. the whole world of podcast nostalgia. I was like, I'm going to have to remember this for Ivor and Alex's <laughs> podcast. And that uh, band? The Cause. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> <laughs> it was The Cause. But first gig proper was Corn at Wembley Arena, actually. From Cause to Corn? Yeah, from from Cause to Corn, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was May or June 2000. Corn supported by P.O.D. Oh, wow. The Christian rap metal band. Yeah. I remember loving the song Youth of the Nation yes. by P.O.D. But I also have a very vivid memory of my dad telling me to turn it off because it's very intense. And why are you listening to this? <laughs> um, about a boy hadn't come out yet. About- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Surprised he didn't log what the band was. P.O.D. doesn't mean as much as the death penalty crew. Um, <laughs> well, it means payable on death. If he'd known maybe yeah, the full that's, acronym. That's true. That's on me for not bringing him up to speed. <laughs> Do you feel you brought your parents into the world much as a child, adolescent, adult? No, I thought, I thought it was very silly, mm-hmm. I think. It was just mainly about convincing my mum to let me go to gigs. So Corn was a big moment that she was like, okay, you can go because your friend's dad's come to pick you up from Wembley Arena. <laughs> and we would get there hours before for mm. gigs and queue. Would you chat to the other people? Yeah. There, and would you feel part of a real community? Absolutely. Although at the Corn gig, I distinctly remember someone marched out in front of the queue and set fire to their pubes with a lighter. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't necessarily want to feel part of that community. You're like, this didn't happen at the cause. <laughs> Did they give any contacts for the pube emulation? No, 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 not at all. He just pulled his trousers down a bit, undid his bullet belt, and just sort of singed his pubes with a lighter. Hours we'd stand there watching things like that. <laughs> <laughs> when that happened, were you like, maybe the barriers aren't as important? Yeah, as yeah. Like, <laughs> We weren't even at the barrier. I think we were in the middle, but we may be queuing for like three or four hours and I've done that for so many bands. And still not getting to the barrier. Still not getting to the barriers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't think we've ever really done that. I we're did that a bit in my teens for a band that I like was really into that I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to get there half an hour before doors open and queue <laughs> yeah. and then like try and get to the barrier. But I don't know. Now I'm like, as a teenager, no. though, you were clinging on to what pubes you had. <laughs> yeah, really... <laughs> I ain't got pubes to burn. <laughs> he, he shouted at the girls from St Mary's. <laughs> but what I found, so we went on Sunday to the Camden Electric Ballroom, yes, which is a lovely venue, rich in metal history. Yep. But it's quite navigable. But what I found quite pleasing, having decided on my bucket list for the podcast and in general that I needed to be in the pit, and I sort of asked you if we could go to the pit like I was sort of asking a teacher for a note. (laughs) But it was very easy to move our way through the crowd to get in and have a bit of mildly intimidating fun and and to sort of retreat again. Like actually that whole tradition creates a real mobility that I have not experienced at most sort of gigs I've been to, where you are standing directly proportional to when you've turned up at the gig. Yes, that makes yeah, sense. yeah, yeah, yeah. You tend to be able to move through crowds, especially in a crowd that size, I think. 
Yeah, yeah, it was like knife through butter yeah. at the Napalm Death gig, whereas Father John Misty, we could not move one more row right. sooner than we got near. Like, it's, it's just very bizarre that People that was part of it. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, I've, I've listened to Six Music for a long time before this gig, and I must hold my ground here. Yeah, yeah. There's absolutely no way you're getting a metre closer to this jazz. <laughs> <laughs> Did you enjoy the pit? Yeah, I did. I was very glad that you wanted to pop in. I don't normally... Um... <laughs> it's not a verb that implies sort of total immersion. <laughs> you did go in the pit, but we still need to remember that you are you. So I feel like popping in feels like the right... Yeah, okay. Yeah, I... yeah, yeah. I and I popped in as well. Look, we weren't there for the night. It was really nice that you came into because you suggested that those days might be behind you. I mean, not that I wasn't excited about Drop Dead. Also, I was slightly worried I had Nando's for lunch and I was worried they were going to smell it. <laughs> But I have to be very, very excited and I have to know the songs and just be... Basically, there's a band called Clutch who I go and see a lot who are a sort of blues, rock, stoner mm. band. They're not particularly heavy, but I just love them and love the lead singer. So if I'm going to see them, I normally end up in the pit screaming every word at the top of my lungs. But that rarely happens. But it was nice to go in and I do worry about my lower back as well. Mm. But it was a friendly pit by and large. Why the lower back? Is that because that's where people are sort of doing low shoves at each other? No, I've just got a very fragile lower back. Mm. So I worry if I sort of, sometimes I turn my body as if I'm going to step somewhere, but my feet forget to go and mm. then that's it. I found it was all in the feet. You kept your arms up against your chest yeah. to protect yourself, but not waving them at anyone because you don't want to catch anyone. You don't want to actually hurt anyone. No, you just want to be able to sort of bounce and move easily. Yes, it's bumper cars. It's bumper cars. It's bumper but cars. But there's not, I wouldn't say there's such a sense of enforced sort of clockwise direction as there no. are at a proper sort of fairground dodgems. No, so there's, <laughs> but you can, that does happen sometimes. I don't think we necessarily saw that. So we're in a mosh pit. You can have a circle pit, mm. which happens a lot at thrash gigs where everyone just runs round and round and round. And it's all clockwise. It's and then all when cl- they tour in Australia, it's anti-clockwise. Yeah, yeah, it's anti-clockwise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's scary because if you get caught up in that, there's sort of no way of ducking out apart from to roll. <laughs> you got to roll out. Wall Have of you death ever sustained, as well? sustained an injury in one of these? Oh, yeah. So I, last year, actually, I went to see a band called High on Fire and I love High on Fire. The lead singer, Matt Pike, is also in a band called Sleep who are hugely influential. But High on Fire a bit more sort of just like heavy, proper rumbling heavy metal. And I think they're fantastic. Very excited to go to that gig. And I was like, look, I'm not going to go in the pit. I'm not going to go anywhere near it. I'm just going to stand here, enjoy all the music. And then there was a moment where I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in the pit. And someone had sort of thrown a small woman mm. or she'd sort of just like fallen over and was skidding across the floor. She was fine and took both my legs out from underneath me. And I landed on my knees. So that knee was in trouble for about a month. Mm -hmm. So that's why I try and avoid it now. But I thought, come on, you're only going to get one opportunity to be in a pit for a a vegan punk band with Ivo Graham. (laughs) (laughs) The last pit I was in was for the band And You'll Know Us by The Trail of Dead, who I saw in Tufnell Park at the Dome. And um, I, was, I was saying this to Ed at Napalm Death, but And You Know Us by the Trail of Dead, the quite a false advertising name because it's like the most metal. Like it's a band whose name technically starts with an ellipsis. It's like dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And You Will Know Us by the Trail of Dead. <laughs> and its fans abbreviate it to just Trail of Dead. There was a circle pit in that, a very big one. And then the lead singer came into the audience and then I started filming from the pit and then he... Uh, flip the middle finger at me into my phone. So I've got him gleefully giving me a middle finger. I'm like, but I'm a fan. Sorry, I don't usually record at gigs. This one seems quite fun. This is quite fun. I want, I want this memory. And in a way, I do. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's only when I get carried away, I think. And 
Kieran and I went to see a band called Every Time I Die a few years ago, who are no longer a band, sadly, and which is a shame because they were absolutely one of the, the best bands, sort of um, metally, punky, like all sorts of things, just incredible albums. They never had a bad album. Um, we went to see them at the Brooklyn Bowl in the O2 complex because that tour, they were specifically only playing shows, no barrier shows. So they're like with no security barrier. So you, the stage is basically yeah, here. So people, people could stage dive and people could just jump on stage and do whatever they wanted. Basically me and Kieran got very carried away with that. Um, a lot of stage diving. Uh, and then at the end, basically everyone in the audience got on the stage to sing the last song with them. And in my head, I was like, I'm stage diving. This is so cool. I look absolutely amazing. I'm on stage singing the song. There are YouTube videos available of that gig where you can see me stage diving. It is the most pathetic fucking thing you've ever seen. <laughs> <in your life. laughs> a timid, timid flop at best. But caught. Yeah. But, but caught and carried. Oh, caught, caught, and, well, caught and held briefly. <laughs> yeah. Let's put you down. Lowered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gently lowered, I think, is probably the best way of putting it. And then you can see that us on stage at the end, and I'm just like off at the side, clearly don't know most of the words. So I'm turning around when, you know, the big chorus comes. Great. Because I, I mean, the 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 picture you paint of being in a clutch pit yes. and, um, and singing all the words to your favorite band and being so excited that you can't not be in the pit. That was, I didn't get the impression, even with uh, the sort of legendary headline act, uh, that at any point on Sunday, the pit was full of the people who were most emotionally invested in the music that was being played. It was more just, it was pretty joyful and celebratory and, and sort of communal. Yeah. But it was a bit of an opportunistic free for all. Yes. But, and and how, many people, how many people in the pit had been born when Scum came out? Probably not many, right? No. Not that you can. Not, no. that, not that doesn't mean you can't be an ultra if you're younger than the band. Yes, but but in terms of emotional investment, yeah, yeah. I'm younger than Scum. <laughs> <laughs> I was only one when Scum came out. I'm a Scum one. So. A sc- <laughs> the scummy one. Uh, well, I um, I think that, that 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 qualifies you in a whole new way. I uh, I mean, I don't mean that it should be a sort of hierarchy of how much you know how much you love it and then you get to be in the pit yes no but it's interesting to think why are people in there and i think a lot of it is just having a bit of a run around getting some frustrations out <laughs> yeah, with, yeah, yeah with someone like uh bob otis from drop dead sure you know what i kept thinking what's he looking out at because he's he he feels his music and his lyrics and his politics so passionately yeah and and we're goons um <laughs> you know i i i i, I just i I, di- I didn't feel we, uh, you know, I didn't feel we'd earned it. Do you think? Do you think Bob Otis is kind of you, you're you're preparing for him between songs to say, now take the running around energy that you have there and pour into Animal Liberation. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> like, read, read the back of your shampoo bottle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm annoyed they didn't play that. <laughs> That's eight seconds. Off, right? <laughs> Wasn't that it? Though? There was a lot of stuff about like animal testing. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Has your love of uh, sort of often left-wing vegan metal music ever conflicted with your love of meat-based food podcasting? Well, (laughs) not personally. I mean, I I feel like maybe if Bob Otis was to hear off menu, it probably Mm. wouldn't go down hugely well. Mm. Uh, And yeah, I mean, I felt guilty at times during his uh, sort of intersong banter. Mm. Didn't feel great, but I think he must be used to that. He must know that the majority of the audience he's speaking to probably don't ascribe to the same values as him, hmm. which makes it even more brave that he's uh, sort of doing them in such a 
cold and direct way. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was cold and direct, but I would not say that was. Uh, I wouldn't say it was. A, it was a cold night. No, I, I, it was a night that uh, taught me in about three hours. Taught me everything that you'd said, and I'd been led to believe about what the experience of being in a metal crowd is, which is that it's uh, sort of it's it's seriously done, but it is tongue in cheek. Yeah, it is warm. And the thing that really brought that home was that in between the bands, we, we, uh, the music being played <laughs> was stuff like Chris Isaac's Wick, Wicked Game and uh, Africa by Toto. Yeah, I mean, I guess is that uh, Na- I guess that's Napalm the promoter Death. picking that or Napalm Death or. Because I've been to loads of metal gigs where it is just metal in between. Oh, okay. But you wonder whether whose decision that is. Because I think I turned to you during Africa and said, "Is this normal?" <laughs> <laughs> I have I've seen it. So there's a, an amazing uh, newer British band called Conjurer, who I've seen a lot, um, uh, and I went to see them. I think in Nottingham, mm-hmm. and in between they were playing like uh, Carly Rae Jepsen and stuff. And I spoke I spoke to them afterwards. They were like, "Yeah, we love we just love that. It's all we listen to in the car is like." pop banging pop music so you just think you don't need metal all the time mm-hmm. you need a little break you need purple rain you need what what else what else did they play you oh. just you just email, do you want us to cut this bit up and just send it to kieran for you <laughs> <laughs> what uh, at the end of the night um so napalm death finished and went off stage the lights came up and they played uh, wind your body oh yeah <laughs> They walked on to Streets of Philadelphia yeah, by Bruce yeah. Springsteen. <laughs> but it was the wind your body that really made me laugh because they just they finished on whatever they finished on and then straight away into wind your body and I looked around and people were like dutty whining and the <laughs> <laughs> suddenly all these all these sort of hardcore punks were like shaking their booty and Jack Straw was there. <laughs> Jack, oh, Jack Straw was loving it. Who are the other um, uh, metal fans that you've encountered through your sort of um, world, sort of podcasting about it and attending gigs? Are there other unlikely metal heads in the comedy in the comedy world? I mean, (sighs) Rob Delaney is a big metal guy. Mm. Um, So, in fact, a couple of times ago when I went to see High on Fire, uh, Rob was there, and Rob likes big big riffs like High on Fire. He loves Sleep. He likes Torch. He likes those those sorts of bands. So now and again, I went, I, I went to see um, to see High on Fire and Rob Besson be saying, are you going to the gig tonight? I said, yeah. And he was like, great, I'll see you there. I arrived, Rob was there. And hello, it's the next one. I've never respected anything more in my life. Um, we had a chat, lovely, such a nice man. And then he went, just to let you know, um, I leave gigs early. So a couple of songs before the end, I'm just going to go. I was like, cool. <laughs> All right, Rob, nice one. It was brilliant. We just stood there, watched the band, no pressure to chat in between the songs or shout at each other over things to try and maintain some sort of conversation. We both watched it. We enjoyed it. Two songs before the end. He looked at me, nodded and left. Brilliant. Yeah, that's great. I love that that sort of the self-confidence and comfort to be like, this is what this is what we're going to do. We're going to have a lovely time and then I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas we went uh, to the Blackheart pub uh, where we repeatedly started talking about the gig and then I would say things like, save it. <laughs> a lot less fun. I'm glad we went to the Blackheart though because we didn't get a chance to go beforehand and the Blackheart is one of my favourite pubs, a true metal pub. Mm. Do you think if uh, uh, you worked with Stuart Lee, you'd ever talk to him about uh, Napalm Death? Yeah, he's, he's a big Napalm Death fan, isn't he? Yeah. Um, 
I've got Stuart Lee and the other one, there's a great clip just to, to, to cross the pond, Jim Carrey talking about Napalm Death on yes. an American talk show and doing an incredible impression yeah. of Napalm Death. He loves Napalm Death, he loves Cannibal Corpse as well. because uh, <laughs> Got them in Ace Ventura. Yes, they are in Ace Ventura. When he runs into the club, they're playing Hammer Smashed Face. Um, yeah, Jim Carrey's a big fan. Stu, yeah, Stu has some, yeah, he's got some wacky taste in music, man. I remember talking to him about uh, the... Um, legendary british doom band electric wizard as well he's a fan of electric wizard does he like conjurer i'm not sure he's he's uh, i'm not sure would he like i've done on a name based thing there where yes, their, yeah, their, yeah. Their, their, output, their output is likely wildly different i feel too modern i feel i feel like they need to be gritty sort of like napalm death are, are great because they're proper gritty midlands as well Mm-mm-mm. and same with electric wizard they're just yeah proper grimy stuff have you seen the episode of Skins that Napalm Death are in? No. In the third generation of Skins. <laughs> the, perhaps the least loved generation, but there is a uh, there are some great characters, and there's a there's a metalhead called Rich, mm. um, who uh, who is um, lives and breathes Napalm Death, and he goes to a Napalm Death gig at the end, and Barney he, he chats to Barney the scene where he chats to Barney is cut, but um, uh, but but he he takes his. Um, his ballet-loving girlfriend Grace to a Napalm Death gig, and she yeah. crowd surfs and has a great time. And it's, um, I think, it's the best of Skins. <laughs> yeah, the third generation. I don't. I think I dropped out by the third generation. You know, it's a real shame given how closely it was I crossing once, over with your. Uh, once sorry. Cook, once Cook died, I wasn't. You know, mm. this is what this podcast's about, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll put a spoiler alert out for <laughs> season two of Skins. <laughs> I just remember the I just remember the use of um, MGMT's time to pretend at the end of series one of Skins was my uh, introduction to that song and that band. Yeah. That was a big that was a big moment. Yeah, amazing great. that you'd admit that the reason you got into a band was Skins. Oh, I mean, look, well, I just admitted that's the reason I got into <laughs> Napalm Death. Uh, <laughs> Not the Stuart Lee mail out for him. It's, <laughs> it's a bit of both, really. Yeah. When, you, when, you, when you got Stuart Lee, Skins, and Jack Straw all <laughs> Um, can we ask you for a recommendation of a band or, or something to do with music? Yes. I'll, I'll give you a recommendation for something to do uh, um, with music and at gigs. If you can afford it, buy merch. Great. Always. Especially when you're talking about smaller bands or bands who are doing smaller venues. Um, buy merch. Just because that's how they support themselves. And it's always nice to have a little souvenir. Yes. Yeah. If anything, we'd like to retract our system. Um, <laughs> so it's out of 30 and it's how big are the band and then that is from te- naught that's from 10 to naught mm. no because I, I so still the bigger th- they are, I still think there is some onus on the band to have good merch sure right. sure um, we, so, thank, thank you you, ha- you have to like the merch and also if you are in a position to buy some merch please please do that because I think it is very helpful and also there's a huge debate going on at the moment mm. loads of bands have upped their merch prices massively because there's venues taking a cut I don't think the Electric Ballroom were necessarily doing that because this was a perfectly reasonable £20. But there's some bands that have upped their merch prices to like 40 quid for a T-shirt because the venues are taking 25, 50% sometimes. When you had bands like, I think maybe the Big Moon did this, but some bands go, we're not selling yeah. merch at the venue. We're going to go to this pub before and after the gig. Yeah. If you'd like to buy merch, yeah. come to the pub and yeah. we'll hang out. And yeah. I won't have to pay 35% to O2. Yes. So... Yeah, if, if you can do that, that's my general recommendation. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good albums this year. I'm, may I consult my uh, please my album list for this year? 
okay, here's an album I, that came out last year that I spend most of my time being gutted that I didn't listen to last year, so it wasn't on my my list of best albums of 2022. Um, it is uh, an album by a band called Drug Church, and it's called Hygiene. And they are not a metal band, they're a, they're a rock band, but a lot of alternative uh, sort of alt-rock 90s sort of style stuff in there as well. Uh, and I really love the album. Amazing. Ivo, do you have a recommendation for this week? Well, I, I thought I'd recommend the first um, uh, song that you recommended to me, Ed, via a collaborative playlist um, that one of our text groups set up. Yes. That was a song, Cypress Grove by Clutch. It's um, a banger. Uh, so really, it's just a sort of reflecting an Ed recommendation back at him. Please. Um, but you, you chose it, I believe, in 2017 as a, as a sort of, you know, entry point. Yeah. And, and, I, and I really enjoyed it. I nearly got a tattoo based on that song. In the end, I got a tattoo based on the song DC Sound Attack mm. by Clutch, uh, which I've got a, it's on this thigh. Uh, it's uh, a hellhound mm. and uh, an eye, um, which is crying blood. Great. Yes. When, when are you getting your, your bear tattoo for Siberian Meat Grinder? I'm not far off. <laughs> Join the bear cult. Alex, what are you going to recommend? I'm going to recommend, uh, a, I think, a song that I once said, sent Ed on Twitter, because there's two different types of messages. Yes. And, and one is uh, music, a music recommendation, and the other is um, getting him accidentally uh, uh, caught on, on Celebrity Hunter. Those yes, well, luckily you, you didn't You didn't in the end, but we came very close, uh, <laughs> which is, I believe has all been cut out of the edit, our, our trip to Buxton. But it was just amazing. I mean, I think I'm safe in saying this because it, it was all gone. We arrived in Buxton because we were just panicking about where to go. And I was like, we'll go to Buxton. I did the Opera House recently. I'm sure we can speak to the staff and they'll find somewhere for us to stay or hide us out for a bit. And we pulled up in this cab at the Opera House and there's a pub opposite the Opera House. <laughs> and we literally got out of the cab and there was a big chalkboard up saying, Buxton Fringe today, Alex Keeley. We were like, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Keeley's here. And then the venue, I mean, the, the venue sent me a message. Yeah. And um, I'll, I'll preface this by saying that, you know, the show that I did last year, I'm very proud of at the Edinburgh Fringe, but it was a mid-July preview point that I was yeah. like, not, I'd had like, I'd eaten shit at the preview the night before. Yeah. And then the venue were like, yeah, um, Ed and James think they're going to come see this. And I sold like eight tickets and I really didn't want you and James to be like audience <laughs> members nine and ten. So you sent me a long Twitter message explaining, like, explaining Let's get dinner that. instead. I had yeah. no idea you were doing Hunted. Well, you would have so thought I the just, venue would have explained nope, that. Nope, <laughs> nope. And it, I, I, like, I think I think they explained later and I had no idea that like the Hunted team like can trace. Yeah, yeah. They they would have had access to my Twitter yeah. messages. Yeah. So I didn't. So I just was casually like, hey, Ed, great to see that you're in Buxton postcode esque like, <laughs> like <laughs> anyway don't come to my previous yeah fight. and then you have to like scarper like. yeah we scarpers um for various reasons I think there were people sort of um, posting stuff on social media as well so we had to get out of there which was annoying because we'd already found ourselves a lovely little scout hut to stay in um, <laughs> it's very bleak as well when you're uh preview is so poorly attended that it's actually the safest place for the people on Hunted. <laughs> <laughs> um, Every single Celebrity Hunter team was at Keeley's preview. That would have bumped the numbers up. Yeah. Um, so the other type of message that I said, well, I basically, I think um, there's there's a band, I think they're from the Faroe Islands and they're called, I think, Tur. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's T-Y-R. And they've got a song called uh, Sinclair's Visa um, that... It is lots of harmonies. It's sort of metal, but it's quite panto. It's quite sort of light 
Pantoey metal. Oh, okay. From the because I, I obviously I don't think I followed up on that um, on that recommendation. Looking at the picture of these guys on Spotify, yeah. Vi- Viking metal, Viking metal, yeah, yeah. and it's there's a lot of it, there's like I think there's almost um, like acoustic close harmonies kick off the song. It's right, very, okay. like it's a bit almost folky or pantoey as well. Well, Hold the Heathen Hammer High is one of their most (laughs) famous songs. That's just a tongue twister that you have to do. That's a vocal warm-up exercise. Hold the Heathen Hammer High. (laughs) They look very silly and I look like I'll enjoy it. Rooted in the epic past, weaving powerful melodic inspiration for the modern Viking spirit. (laughs) Yes, I will enjoy that. Thank you. Um, Ed, thank you very much for taking us to the campaign for musical destruction (laughs) with your wife. Yes. What a, what a, what a treat to be uh, on, on that double date. We'll go and see him again. Yes, please. Mm. Mm, you don't seem committed, actually. <laughs> oh, no. I, I, <laughs> no, I, 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 I would enjoy it a great deal. Yes, please. Um, I would, I'd love that. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Ed. Thanks. So there it is. Ed Gamble talking to us about a trip with us and his wife, Charlie, to watch Napalm Death, supported by Drop Dead. And oh, we can say it now. Mongolian pasta, t- <laughs> pasta bumble. Mongolian pasta bumble. Is it smug to transparently still not have listened back to the episode, but recorded the top, be like, we're excited to be able then to say it in reference to Siberian meat grinder in the tail, which for you is about 40 to 50 minutes later. And for us, we're on the same sofa in the same buttock grooves as we were when we first devised that skit but <laughs> so please do email us at gig pigs podcast with either the funniest band name metal or otherwise that you've ever seen on an undercard or indeed your own suggestion for let's have it again prison camp <laughs> prison camp food group dating, dating app, app slash mechanical object yeah really have fun with that last one you know <laughs> don't feel bound by dating app if you've got a good mechanical object can, in mind you, you- you can hit either plenty of fish or mangle. Those are your okay. options, uh, Alex. I, I've said that I delight in your ability to come up with stuff. Stop taking stuff off the table now. <laughs> let, let them have their fun. <laughs> um, if you were going to include plenty of fish, that is unwieldy in something which is already a sort of three-part Yeah, compliment. yeah, yeah. You're making a five-act play structure rather than a three-act play structure. Don't make it a five-act play structure. <laughs> but enjoy the play structure. We'd also love to hear about... Well, I suppose, undeniably, the specific experience of, of metal or punk gigs, any tales from the pit, any amusing contrasts between the sort of very <laughs> admirable ethics being expressed in between the songs and the barely decipherable lyrics of the songs themselves. I can't get over Tales from the Pit. I think you must sell that to a metal podcast. That's such tales a Tales from the Pit. Well, Ed pit. Gamble could probably host that for a bit. <laughs> for, for a bit. <laughs> Get it on hiatus after a bit, Ed. We can't be at five podcasts. We, we, okay? we, we can't and mustn't. But thank you for endorsing Tales from the Pit. It could be an option for us, but I think we're still very keen to keep it in the pig sphere. Sure, sure, will, sure. Will, will we be able to clear Sty Guys as our extra no-guest content? It remains to be seen. <laughs> hey, why not give us a nice review on a, on, oh, a, on, a, on a podcast review service? That would speed us towards the nice. Sty. Feed the, the algorithm. <laughs> Half of you pigs listen on Apple. You can give us a nice, he knows, a nice review on that. I've got the data. He's got the data. He's across so, the data and he's encouraging me to look at the data occasionally. Give us a nice review. Um, also listen to Foxes and Hedgehogs, whose music plays us in at the start and out at the end of every episode. We think it's important that we keep beating that drum because oh, it feels heavy-handed now. I've just noted that we haven't mentioned them in the last couple of episodes and I'm a big fan of the boys. Absolutely. Go listen to them and go listen to Gig Pigs Extra Swill on Spotify. If you're not already following that, you can... 
have little snippets of different tracks that we mentioned throughout the podcast. And I suppose, though we can't include, although we've tried non-song media in the Gig Picks podcast, it's worth going on YouTube to look at Jack Straw, sorry, Ed Miller Band, uh, <laughs> trying to sing the entirety of You Suffer by Napalm Death. It's quality <laughs> stuff. Thank you very much for listening and see you next week. <laughs>